Thank you so much, Ronnie. Hi, everyone. Um, so we've got Romans 15 today. We're nearing the end of this book, and um, we've covered so much ground that's been deeply challenging, uh, eye-opening, and today we've got a chapter that's full of all sorts of truths that can help us. And I wonder, are you feeling like you need to be refreshed today? Um, I'm guessing most of you might be. That's kind of how I feel at the moment. Um, last Monday, Ross and I went to uh, sort out our church minibus, and you might not realize that we have a church minibus. Um, it's not been used for 18 months, so as we pulled up into Iffin Farm, where we store it, um, we approached it with a certain degree of, oh, how's this going to go? How much of this morning is going to be taken up by fixing the minibus? And so we approached it, um, knowing that a new battery had been fitted, and in theory, it should jump to life and head across to the MOT to get back on the road and be used by us. Um, and as we approached it, we didn't discover a white minibus, we discovered a green minibus. Um, and as I got into the driver's seat, because I was the nominated driver, there were cobwebs all over the place. It had been sat for 18 months, um, it hadn't been used at all, and it was in need a bit of a bit of TLC. Um, it spluttered into life. We got it to the MOT uh, location, and yes, of course, it failed. And it is still at the garage being fixed. Um, this old minibus, which has served us so well, is needing quite a bit of TLC. It's needing refreshment. Um, and the, the new battery in the, the vehicle uh, should mean that it should jump back into life once we've figured out how to find a new power steering pipe that's now obsolete and discontinued. Uh, and once we've figured out the other things that... Oh, not I, but the mechanics have solved the issue. Uh, but it made me think, well, what is, drive, what is the power driving the minibus? Well, it's the battery, it's the engine. Once those things are fixed, it should serve us well, even though it splutters to life when you start it, even though it looks green and there's cobwebs. Once it's up and running, it's okay. Even though it looks pretty weak, pretty powerless, it can achieve a great... Um, service for the kingdom here in Canterbury and Faversham as we use it for our youth, for our students, for international students, for all sorts of other reasons. But it made me think, well, what is, what is kind of our feeling? Are we feeling a bit weak, a bit broken, a bit like we start Monday morning spluttering into life, spluttering into the week, um, trying to get up and running, and we just hope that on a Sunday we feel refreshed, we feel filled with hope and joy and peace, the kind of stuff that we heard from Romans 15. And we think that should get us going. And it might get us to Thursday or Friday if we've had a good Sunday, if, if Oz's sermon's okay, and if the, the band have led well, and if uh, you know, we've had some good fellowship over coffee and a bit of prayer, then maybe we'll get round to the next Sunday. I wonder if we feel like that sometimes. God, please, just do your refreshing work. And we need to be refreshed, don't we? We need that. That's why we gather. But I wonder what drives your life. Are we overly reliant on Sunday mornings? Are we overly reliant on anything we, we can, a, a conversation, a prayer, a, um, a, a word from God in our prayer time and in our reading time to get us going? And today, what I, I really feel led to share and speak mainly about is the power behind us as a church, the power behind us as individuals, and it is the Holy Spirit. And it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that we can live lives that are pretty ordinary, 
maybe a bit green, a bit cobwebby, a little bit like we're spluttering into the week sometimes, but knowing that in our weakness, God works by his grace. God works by his power to do an incredible work and mission. And so as we look at this passage, I hope that we'll be encouraged that as we're filled with the Spirit, that we can live in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want to focus here because actually that's what Paul does. As he gets to this point in the book, you might, maybe the Roman church, they've heard this letter read a few times and they're still grappling with the deep theology. And what's happened so far is Paul's worked through the, what the gospel of grace is. And he's addressed some big themes of God's sovereignty and election and of Israel. And he's got to chapter 12 and he's began to talk about it, what it looks like to give your whole life to living for Jesus. To, to love in action, to use your gifts, to um, think about the weaker brother and sister in community. To, to, to not disagree over things that we shouldn't be disagreeing with, but instead being full of uh, mutual edification, building one another up, encouraging one another, how to be a community. And, he, and you might think, well, that's all very well, but how do we do that? How do we do that? And I think what we find Paul saying here is that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we do that. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we live that kind of life as a community together and we serve God on mission in our quite ordinary lives, maybe not in um, places like Serbia, um, giving Bibles, potatoes, and paprika out every other day, uh, although thankfully God does that in places around the world, but maybe throughout ordinary Christian living in the context that we're in right now. And in chapter 15, we, we have a few references to the Holy Spirit being the power that enables us to live these transformed lives. We see it in verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit fills us with hope. That hope enables us to trust him. And with that comes a joy and a peace. Do you want that today? Do you want that when you wake up on a Monday and on a Wednesday and a Friday? Yes, I know I do. And then in chapter 16, that we are sanctified by the Holy Spirit. And that was Paul's end result was to say, I I long to share the gospel with the Gentiles and not just share the gospel with them, but to see them being sanctified, not by me and my great teaching alone and my living, but by the Holy Spirit. And then in in verse 19, by the power of signs and wonders, through the power of the Spirit of God. Again, Paul's talking about the power of the Holy Spirit doing the signs and the wonders, being the one that we applaud when there are Bibles distributed and and, and potatoes and paprika and the stories that we share in our day-to-day lives about God answering a prayer and opening up a door of opportunity for us to move into a new house or to have an opportunity to share the gospel with someone or to pray for someone for healing and to celebrate when God answers that prayer. The power of the Spirit. And then at the end, in verse 30, we also see Paul saying uh, that we, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit. See, Paul's ramming home a message here saying that you can live transformed lives. You can be empowered to live those lives by the Holy Spirit in you. 
This isn't some impersonal force, some um, thing that we get tacked on like a battery for Christian living. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is our comforter. He is our enabler. He is our empowerer and equipper. And so as we gather, God is with us, in us, and he enables us to be empowered and built up and live for him. He's our friend in the week when we're feeling down. He's our comforter. He's our encourager when we have voices in our minds that, that press us down. He's saying, no, God loves you. God's your father. Keep going. Be bold. I'll give you the words. And so as we look at how Paul really explains that for the church in, the, in Rome, we see how for us today too, we can um, breathe the oxygen of the body of Christ every day, the Holy Spirit in us. And we can also see glorious things happening in our ordinary lives. So the first thing uh, on that theme that I want to look at is, is where Paul starts. And then from verse 1 to 13, he unpacks this. Um, he kind of moves from chapter 14, as, as we've heard from Ronnie. He, he says, this accepting one another, this considering the weaker and the stronger brother and sister in Christ is so important and it leads somewhere. Because we, as we accept one another, as we uh, love one another in action, we find that unity comes in the church. And so the first thing really that we see is that, that the Holy Spirit unites us in praise. And so as he unites us in praise, we see that in verse 5 to 6. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. So that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the relationships that are developed and growing in community, the encouragement and the prayer that Paul has for this church in Rome is all gearing towards unity. He's saying church in Rome, Jews and Gentiles, different people, weak in the faith, strong in the faith, wherever you're at, on whatever issue you might, might be discussing, be of the same mind towards each other. Be of one mind and one voice. The power of a united church in united worship, in united praise. That is a testimony to one another and a testimony to the world. And that's where he starts this next bit of the chapter. So what, what does it mean? How do we do that? How do we be a church that is of one mind and one voice? And there's two ways, I think, that Paul um, kind of reveals through this. And the first one you might have noticed in verse 4, he talks about endurance and encouragement of Scripture. So how do we be united in praise? Well, by the Spirit working through the Word. How, how do we see that? Well, the Old Testament scriptures that Paul refers to, and he quotes quite a few of them in this chapter, are for our encouragement and are for our endurance. He's saying scripture is entirely applicable today. It's designed to teach us, to give us examples of how to live uh, lives today for God. We need the Old Testament scriptures to encourage us and to help us endure when life is hard. So stories about Joseph or Moses or any number of Old Testament characters are there partly so that when we struggle in life with our anxieties or issues or challenges or feeling low, 
we've got a point of reference. Ah, they endured. Joseph can remind me that even when everything seems to be going against me, I can keep going because God's got this. God's involved. God's working for good in the middle of challenge. So scriptures are applicable today, um, and that's why reading the Bible is so key. And the Holy Spirit works through scripture to encourage and help us endure. So the work of the Spirit through the Word. And Scripture is also Christ-centered, and we see that from Psalm 69, which is one of the Psalms that are quoted by Paul in this chapter. Uh, And and he says it's pointing to Jesus, because even Jesus was insulted. And so if you're insulted, then remember Christ too was insulted. So when life is really hard and people seem to be attacking you or insulting you or misunderstanding you, remember Christ can sympathize with that. So not, not only is all of Scripture relevant for us, we find that Scripture points to Christ, the one who did endure, and, and we can turn to for our encouragement. So I wonder how you find reading um, the Bible at the moment. And if, if we want to be a, a church built in unity, in praise, with this hope of God in our hearts, the starting point is allowing God to speak to us through his word by his Holy Spirit. That's what can lead to empowered living. And it can be easy, can't it, to neglect some of the Old Testament because it's confusing and often quite challenging to understand. And so we need to grow in how we do that. And that's partly why we we look at it together in our life groups. We're working through the book of Ruth at the moment in our life groups. And it's um, some of them at least, not all of them, because we're all at different stages of what we're looking at. But for us in our life group, that's been so eye-opening, seeing how this story of this individual, Ruth, um, in the troubles of her life is, is loved and encouraged to step out in faith and then find redemption and kindness in this individual Boaz, a real signpost to Jesus. How can we grow in our reading of Scripture, in our uh, not neglecting of the Bible, but a a prioritizing of it? And yes, that might happen on a Sunday morning. It might happen on a Wednesday or Thursday evening life group or a Thursday or Friday morning life group um, for the daytime ones. But it needs to happen beyond that, doesn't it? In our own reading in our own small meetups and discipling relationships. Any opportunity we get to uh, encourage one another, let's point to what God has said in the word. And the spirit will work through that to build us up. And that's exactly what we see in this chapter. And I'll refer to where else in a moment. But before I, I do that, I just want to point to the second area that the Holy Spirit works in us. So through the word, but also through relationships. So many verses have been about the one another's in this section of, of the book of Romans. Um, and we came across it a few times, didn't we, in, in what was read. Uh, not only pleasing your neighbors for their good to build them up, but also accepting one another as Christ has accepted you. Um, caring for one another and loving one another, the outworking of these relationships. Uh, only that is possible as we are filled with God's spirit and in, in our hearts. And where does that lead? Where does that lead? It, it leads to united praise and worship. And often I think we can fall into the, 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 the thing that we, we, we think that our praise and our worship together on a Sunday or maybe midweek in a group um, 
It's just about how it's led, how it's done, rather than the relationships that we're with. And so the deeper relationships that we have, the more we're accepting one another, loving one another during the week, and in our differences uniting in Jesus, the greater our experience of worship will be together when we sing, uh, when we worship God together in other ways, by serving together in the week. The deeper we're investing in our community, the greater our praise will be. That really struck me this week as I was praying and thinking, I thought, wow, that's what Paul's saying. He's saying, look, you want to praise God among the Gentiles? I'll sing praises of your name. Rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people. It's all about with one another, with the Gentiles as well as the Jews, the the culmination of God's plan through uh, the root of Jesse springing up, ruling over the nations. To him, the Gentiles will have hope. He's talking about Jesus, the Messiah, And the context of that is a community. As Gentiles come to faith, non-Jews gather in worship with Jews. They gather accepting one another, despite their different ethnicity, understandings of food law, how to do holy days, whatever it might be for us today. As we gather together, we gather because we have the same hope, and therefore we have the same reason to sing and praise and rejoice. So we unite, what does the Holy Spirit empower us to be like? How does he refresh us? Well, he refreshes us through the word as the Spirit works through it. And he refreshes us through our relationships as we accept one another and as we grow together. And then where does that lead? If the first chunk of the chapter is there, quite clearly where Paul moves from chapter uh, 15 verse 14 is into this whole area of mission. So it's not just the expression of united worship in a church. It's an expression of worship through mission. Um, So he invites us to engage in mission. And from verse 16, we see that focus on the Holy Spirit sanctifying the people. Uh, And in verse 18, we read the phrase, through me leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done. So Paul wasn't just interested in making converts, in seeing people hear the gospel, moving to the next place and leaving it at that. He wanted them to obey the gospel, uh, make and mature disciples, not just see lots of people turn to Jesus and then move on. He was, at his heart, a discipler as well as an evangelist. And that's what mission is. It's seeing people grow in faith, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. That means set apart. It means made holy. And that's the journey that we're on if we follow Jesus throughout our lives. And that's what Paul wanted for the Gentiles. So the Holy Spirit uh, fills us with a hope, unites us in praise as a community. But he also is at work growing us in our faith. And look at how Paul describes that growth in verse 14. He says that you yourselves are, he talks about the Roman church being full of goodness, filled with knowledge and competent to instruct one another. It's all about character, full of goodness. The sign of being spirit-filled is to be full of goodness, the way we relate and accept others or are hospitable or are forgiving, gracious, to be good to want good in our communities 
and um, working relationships, in our families, and in our parenting, and in our marriages, in our friendships, to be good. We, we express that through the way we talk and care for people and reflect the heart of God. To be filled with knowledge, not just knowing stuff about God and the Bible, but the knowledge of a close relationship with God. So the mark of a mature disciple, of being spirit-filled, is to be full of goodness, filled with knowledge, knowing God and encountering him, and then able to be competent to instruct, which I find really interesting, because then a disciple looks like someone who knows how to instruct someone else, how to help someone on the next leg in the journey of, of faith. And in this room, we're all in a different place, aren't we? Some of us have been a Christian for a long time, others for a short time. Some of us have experienced lots of different things, others maybe fewer. And so we need one another, and we can learn together. I, as I, I know I've mentioned this a few times now, have been doing quite a bit of home improvements in our house. And I was discipled a few weeks ago in laminate flooring. Um, and I, didn't, I hadn't ever done it before, I'd never laid it. Uh, but thankfully, I knew a good teacher. And so I approached this good teacher, and he volunteered his time, and, and I learned how to lay laminate flooring, and it, it, it meant I had to um, listen to the instructions I was given, and someone was competent in instructing me, because they'd done it before. And so now I know, probably not all on my own, but I could probably give a few tips to someone. I might need to do it a few more times with a certain Josh Potter. But he, he helped me and instructed me, and it was a great example as we talked about what discipleship looks like. It, it involves a learner and a trainer, someone that's been on the journey a bit more, who can give advice and guidance, and, and you can together work on the project. And the project for us is growing in goodness, in knowledge, and in the love of God. Who are you discipling? Who do you kind of spend time with and that you could maybe instruct in what it means to understand and live out your faith? Who, who, who could you ask to help you on the next leg of the journey? And this goes beyond going to church on Sunday and a life group in the week or being on a serving team. This is about real relationships in the everyday. Knowing who you can call for advice as you pray fully think about a decision that you have to make in your life. What relationships have we got in our community? And as those relationships deepen and are invested in, and as we care for one another like that, we'd be united in our praise. We'd be doing mission, empowered by the Holy Spirit, even when we feel weak and tired and like we're spluttering on a Monday morning like that minibus. Because we'd have... God's word in our heart and his spirit working through us in our lives. So not only are we uh, invited to uh, united praise, we're also invited into mission. And that's what Paul is doing. And he's shown lots of examples of that in this passage, not only in what it looks like to be a disciple, but on the fact that he used, sought to speak nothing but the gospel and that he pioneered urban mission all around from Jerusalem to Illyricum, um, modern-day Albania. It's this huge area where he went to the key strategic cities, proclaiming the gospel, seeing converts, and then moving on as, uh, as young churches were established. 
That was his mission. That was his strategy. What's our strategy? How are we going about mission today in Canterbury and in the places that we live? Um, I was on a conference this week, the Lausanne um, Convention uh, Europe, it's called. And this is a huge evangelical leaders conference that happens only every 10 or sometimes 20 years. Um, And they've been asking this question in their convention. How do we re-evangelize Europe? How do we share the gospel in Europe in this time with nominalism or secularism, with the context that we're in? What is the strategy? We know the gospel doesn't change. We know that's the same as it was in the early church, and we, we protect that and we proclaim that. But the way, the methods, we've got to speak the gospel into our times effectively. And one of the um, the uh, speakers was talking about five factors that we need to make sure we don't let go of, that we keep hold of as church community. And one is being community, which is what Paul's writing about. The second uh, was the teaching ethic, the, the truth of the gospel, and how it impacts everyday life, how the gospel influences decisions in the ethics and the Uh, the the ethical decisions that we have in our day and age, and holding firm on those grounds. Another was witness, being witnesses in our daily lives, where we live, not just thinking missionaries will be doing it, but we all are commissioned to witness to the gospel in the normal ordinariness of our lives. And then the fourth was service. How do we care for the poor? How are we doing something in our communities? And then in the fifth, the fifth one was um, the Holy Spirit power, what we're thinking about today. Only are these things possible by the Holy Spirit at work in power through our, our efforts to serve others, to share something of Jesus, to be different in the workplace, to be full of goodness, Um, and knowledge in a way that leads to others wanting to find out about this Jesus that we talk about. And that Holy Spirit power being key for our praying and for our knowledge that he is with us. And that's exactly where Paul um, moves in this next section. As he says in verse 19, by the power of signs and wonders through the power of the Spirit of God. Wouldn't you like to see more of that? I know I would. Uh, Quite often we think, oh God, why are you not doing more works of signs and wonders in our day to day? And that's why we really need to share stories of what God is doing in our lives. And having one today was was really, really great. So thank you, John. But in in our meeting up with one another, talking and not just assuming it was a coincidence or that, that oh, it worked out quite well, but actually attributing that to, to God, answering a prayer, giving him the glory when things seem to smooth out in front of us and we see uh, that, that we have managed to move house after all sorts of issues or that we have seen an answered prayer or that, that God is at work doing something, even it might be quite a small thing, but we give Glory to God for that. And maybe that causes somebody to wonder. Signs and wonder. Wonder isn't just about the incredible miraculous. It can be about a simple testimony of God answering a prayer or being encouraged by a verse that led you to feel like you had energy to get through your day. Those things are glorious and can be used 
to build us up in unity and praise, not just on our Sunday, but any day that we might gather together. And so how we live our lives, not only in, in unity of praise, but also in mission, is essential and is how the Holy Spirit empowers us. And then just finally, as we draw to a close, verse 30 to 33, kind of point to prayer. And um, we've thought about unity and praise. We've thought about uh, being kind of sent out in mission and in our everyday. Well, here, the note that Paul ends on is prayer and the love of the Holy Spirit urging us to pray. So Paul, Paul said, join me in my struggles, church in Rome. Join me. Have partnership with me because I need your prayers. Pray that I would be delivered from uh, those that seek to imprison me and would stop me doing my work. Pray for me to be refreshed when I come to you. Pray for me that I'd be able to get that, that gift offering uh, to the church in Rome that has been raised by supporting churches uh, along the missionary journey that he's been on. He's asking for specific prayers. And he's saying, church in Rome, in the power of the Spirit, in the love of the Spirit, join me in these practical everyday prayers. <laughs> So when we ask um, one another in our, our meetings, in our life groups, or just in conversation, um, what we can pray for one another, we're saying, join me in this prayer, in the love of the Holy Spirit. That's what it looks like to be empowered by God's Holy Spirit, to be partnering in prayer. We received in our life group a um, a message on our group from John McCoa, who some of you guys know, he headed back to Kenya about a year ago now, and he said, oh, please pray for me. Uh, join me, and I noticed that, join me in prayer as I have an interview on Tuesday. He's been looking for work for quite a while. And so we reply, say, great to hear from you, John. Yes, we're going to pray with you for that. Uh, specifically, and we're united with him, even though he's, he's back in Kenya now, even though he's far away, we're united in faith, in friendship, and in the love of the Holy Spirit. And so as we pray for one another, let's do it through the lens of the Holy Spirit empowering us as a sign of love for one another, and see how God works and maybe transforms our ordinary lives that are a bit like a spluttering, green, dusty, cobwebbed minibus uh, back into action on a Monday morning, back into action on a, on a Wednesday or on a Friday evening when you're exhausted and haven't got energy to put your kids to bed and somehow just go, oh, I give up. Uh, whatever it is in your life circumstance, let's be empowered today by the Holy Spirit, to lead our ordinary lives, but knowing they're doing a glorious thing because the Holy Spirit is at work today for the glory of God. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to you, we recognize our need to be refreshed, to be full of hope, to be given a sense of joy and peace, and I pray for whatever is going on in the lives of those that are in this congregation today or online, that we would just come to you and say, Lord God, we need you. Fill us with your Holy Spirit afresh. Empower us so that we are united in our community and in our praise of you. Help us to do that everyday ordinary mission by the power 
of your Holy Spirit. And would you lead us to lovingly pray for one another as a sign that we accept one another, that we care for one another, and that we trust you to work through us in our weakness. In Jesus' name, amen.